0: letting go of what your old normal was as a teacher as a counselor educator in general student um, because it will not be the same for the rest of this year at best
1: From beautiful, sunny San Diego, California, this is the Hatching Results Podcast, where we share school counselor experiences using data to improve programs, practices, and the profession of school counseling for the students we serve. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My name is Trish Hatch, and it's time to talk about all things school counseling. Now, let's get started. Felipe, Um, so I'm assuming you're working from home today.
2: Yeah, I've been working from home for quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I I wish I could say uh, really happy, rosy things, but we are really in a new normal, aren't we?
1: We really are. Um, I am coming to you today from Oceanside. I am actually staying with my parents uh, for several days and uh, assisting in protecting them as they are, you know, 87 and 90. And uh, with their various health conditions, so we're all uh, in a different normal right now. And I'm excited to talk to you today because we are going to be able to do an interview with a former student.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about this interview. You know, there's very few times when you can really like be able to tell the future, but it's really awesome when you can have some hindsight. And this person that we're going to be interviewing is really going to give us kind of a glimpse of what we have to come.
1: Right, so Rachel Pekin uh, is currently serving as a school counselor in China, and she um, is going to tell us her story about what it's been like to be there since uh, things began in early January and uh, I noticed a few uh, few days ago that she was uh, venturing out on Facebook and asked her if she'd be open to this, and she said yes, so uh, for our listeners who are used to uh, podcasts that are um, uplifting and jovial and fun. Uh, I need to give you a little uh, heads up that this is um, a different kind of podcast today. We're going to be hearing about Rachel's experience and and some of it may be quite sobering. So I'm I'm grateful to Rachel for taking the time to do this and I'm hoping that uh, everyone will not only listen to this podcast but share it with others they think need to hear it as well. So Felipe, let's get started. Well, hello, school counselors out there in the world. It's, we're so excited that you've joined us today. We're going to be talking with Rachel Peekin. Rachel is an alumni from San Diego State University, and I was fortunate enough to be her professor and director when she graduated from our program in 2014. And she has been serving as a school counselor at Hangzhou International in China this year. And we have her on the phone with us today. So, Rachel, we want to say hello to you.
0: Hi. Happy to be here.
1: We're so glad that you're here. I noticed your Facebook post that you'd gone outside and you were able to spend some time outside. And I I wrote you on Facebook Messenger and said, would you like to be interviewed? I'm sure people would love to hear your experience as a school counselor in China. And you said yes. So I want to thank you for saying yes and for scheduling this today.
0: Yeah, anytime. I'm happy to help.
1: So uh, why don't we give our listeners a little bit of history. It's been a while since you graduated from SDSU. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the adventures that you had when you left the program that led you to be a counselor in China?
0: Yeah, so I started at Vista Unified. I was an elementary counselor there. and. you know, we talk a lot about finding your best fit. Well, elementary is not my best fit. Um, So I got to San Diego Unified the next year. And I was a high school counselor there at Madison High School, which I absolutely loved. Um, And then got transferred with budget cuts to Pacific Beach Middle School. So I was in three schools in a matter of four years, which was difficult, but a great journey. And I had really awesome Coworkers to help me and eventually I just realized that I loved traveling and I just couldn't I couldn't really afford it <laughs> so I figured <laughs> I would just move so last year I went to Albania and I was actually a K through 12 counselor there which was um, a lot to handle uh, which led me to getting to China where I'm just six or 12 I only have 220 students and it's just a really great community here.
1: So before um, we get into what's happening today, which is the purpose of our conversation, what was it like when you first got there in terms of being a school counselor in China? And how was it different than doing it here in the United States?
0: Um, I think the biggest difference is just the student population. Um, In the U.S., I'm used to working with a lot of low-income students for reduced lunch. And the students here are paying basically the price of college tuition to go to our school. So it's just a very different group. That's the biggest thing I noticed. And here in Hangzhou, at least, the community is really it's really tight-knit. I think there's not a lot of expats in my city relative to Beijing or Shanghai. So we really stick together. And I really liked that about my school community. And I plan on staying here for a while because of it. And really I'm the first counselor that they've ever had uh, to do college and career um, admissions. So there's been a big shift and there's trying to find my footing here and things like that. Uh, but it's been going really well. So would you
1: say Rachel, that it's similar to working at a private school here in the States? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So when you came there, you started developing your program. And then long about when did you begin to notice that there was a problem, um, with uh, the
0: coronavirus in China? Um, There was some talk about it in December, just early news articles uh, that this new virus was out. And so I didn't really pay much attention because it was in Wuhan, which is far enough away in China. um, Millions and millions of people in between. And, you know, I I honestly thought it was like any normal flu, just something with a different name. I think that's kind of what we all thought. So, didn 't think much of it went home for Christmas um, and then we had two and a half weeks from coming back from Christmas break before Chinese new year break um, and that 's when the news was going crazy. This was during January the day before Chinese New Year was supposed to break out, we actually canceled school and I was told it was because of the flu, not necessarily the coronavirus, because a lot of our students were missing from campus just from being sick. And then I went on vacation. Um, I went to Malaysia at the end of January. That was for my Chinese New Year, because we only got one week off. And every single day was a new piece of news of school shutting down for X amount of time or you know if you come back you might have to quarantine or every new day was different so it was quite stressful then i tried to come home on the same day i was when i had my tickets and everything was cancelled it took me a week to get home through a couple different countries so ever since then it was basically end of january when i really started noticing that this was a major change so after Malaysia, you came back to, to
1: China, you came back to, to, uh, to Hangzhou near Shanghai, which is where you were located. And what, what was it like then?
0: It was really stressful, to be honest. Um, if I didn't live on campus, I would have been actually taped into my apartment for two weeks. Uh, that's how they. Yes. did You say taped. Yes, I did. Can you describe what you mean by that? So the way they handle things here in China, people live on compounds, and so compounds can—they're like a different form of um, policing. They, it's their job to make sure that the people there are safe. So what they did is, if you got into town from any other place in China, or from any other place in the world you were quarantined and they mm-hmm. would literally put tape outside your door and they would come and check in on you and bring you food that you ordered um, and supplies, but you were not allowed to leave. So the tape was there to ensure that you did not leave your apartment.
1: Mm-hmm. Now give me a timeline again, which, where are we now in the, in the timeline for you?
0: So when I got back, it was February 4th. So and because
1: this- you didn't live in the compound, If you had been there, you'd have been taped. but since you weren't there, where did you live? And what was it like for you?
0: So I live on campus. There's about six of us Mm -hmm. that live on on on-campus apartments. And so because of that, I was able to roam the campus and use like the campus gym. And Mm -hmm. there's four girls in my building. So we were able to see each other. And I was able to get out and go grocery shopping and such. Most of my time though was spent on campus, and in my apartment. Just out
1: of curiosity, how big is that apartment,
0: and were you alone or sharing? I'm I'm alone. The apartment is a two bedroom, two bath. It's quite large, uh, so that was nice. Uh, yeah, I can't complain at all. And living on campus was never ideal, but I can't complain now because it's been so much nicer during this whole situation.
1: That's compared to other people who were who were outside the campus who really did need to stay absolutely inside their their home. So talk to me about what happened at the school and
0: with the students and what direction, if any, you got about your role as a counselor and what it was like in the early days there. So um, the early days, I was still trying to get home when we technically started e-learning again, uh, or for the first time, I I guess. Um, So I was stuck, and I did not bring my computer with me on vacation. Shocking that I like to travel without one. (laughs) Um, so the first week I was stuck in either Malaysia or Hong Kong and I was supposed to be doing, reaching out to students and be doing my work, but on my phone, which is Mm -hmm. quite difficult. So I, I couldn't get a lot done the first week, but when I got back the second week, it was just a lot of checking in with students and really just wrapping our heads around what this meant. And I know you are all doing that in the US right now. So I know how stressful it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I'm not, I also help teach a class. Uh, I teach IBDP psychology with a couple other people. Um, So that has been difficult as well. So kind of juggling all that, which, as you know, I'm not a trained teacher. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to figure out how to teach in general is hard enough. Putting it onto an online platform is a whole different world. While all the while trying to make sure that my students are okay, because change is hard and this was really difficult for everyone. And as it began, did anybody, did you have any idea
1: how long it would be, or was it being week by week? Were you given notification of it just week by week, or did they say, like, they are here, oh, we're out for months?
0: It has been a roller coaster. And that's kind of, when I hear people back home, I want to tell them just be in this for the long run because at first it was just two weeks. And then it was, okay, we'll just till the end of February. We'll be back in March. And then it was, we had a March 9th start date for a long time. Um, and then it was, be ready to go anytime. Um, we could have, the, the government in Hangzhou could say, that we could go back two weeks before we start. And so we'll have a two week notice and then we'll be able to go back. Well, then that rule changed. And so now we've been prepping to go back for next week. That's not going to happen as far as I've heard. Um, But there's a lot of regulations that we have to go through to to get back to school. Students have to check their temperature twice a day for two weeks and log it. And that's only for the students that are here. The students that are gone, we actually found out last night here in China that they are closing the borders. Um, so they're stuck outside of China. So I don't know what it's gonna look like or when we're gonna get back to school. I was super hopeful for next week. And I I thought I was done um giving myself false hope with new start dates Mm because we go to this. Wanting to be with students, talking to a student on a phone or on FaceTime is just not the same. Um, And it's hard and students aren't as honest um, about how they're doing when you can't see their face and say, I can tell you're really stressed out right now. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So as of now, we still don't have a start date. And the whole time has just been an up and down emotional roller coaster for every single one of us, staff and students.
1: Wow. Wow. That, that's, so you're still in a situation where you have no idea when things will get back to normal, if they ever will be.
0: Right. And at this point, we, you know, there haven't been new cases here in China for a little while. And especially in Hangzhou, that's why we can talk about going back to school. But it doesn't mean that it's done.
1: Hmm. So take me through what the experience has been like as a school counselor with the students. How much communication have you had with them? How have you communicated with them? What's worked? What hasn't? And of course I'm going to ask for sure (laughs) what advice you have for us because you are way ahead of
0: us here. So we need to learn from you. Sure. Um, At first we, I was trying to keep things as I guess quote unquote normal as possible. So that's, communicating with students outside of school through email but that didn't work so I emailed all my grade 12s just I have 19 students in grade 12 obviously they are freaking out um, because their IB exams were coming up and they didn't know when they'd be back in school so I emailed all of them to check in and about half got back to me um I emailed my high-risk students and some of them would email me back, some of them wouldn't. And when I got a response, it would be, No, I'm fine. Well, I, I just don't believe them. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been working with They're them.
0: fine, for a month.
2: fine,
0: yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it's hard to do over written communications. So we really had to mm-hmm. branch out. The next thing I did was uh, Teams, Microsoft Teams, just because we don't have Google here. So that was a way for me to instantly message students uh, and schedule. Uh, video and voice calls. So that helped because they're a little bit more comfortable with an informal text type situation than sending a formal email. And I can quickly ask them more questions while I have their attention, rather than an email where they're gonna look at it hours after I sent it. So that was- So you just
1: mentioned that, you just mentioned that you don't have Google there.
0: Are you not allowed to
1: use it or you just aren't using it in your school?
0: It's blocked uh, unless you have a VPN. So while most international schools in China do have a VPN on campus, we can't guarantee that our students have access to that. So, and for yeah, our
1: listeners, that's a, that's a virtual private network?
0: Correct. And that's how people in China get you know, Facebook and Instagram because it is blocked here. See. And so Google is one of those things that is blocked here. So we use different platforms.
1: Oh, some of the platforms are Microsoft. What other platforms have people been using that are working for you?
0: Um, Zoom. Uh, Zoom has Mm -hmm. honestly been the most reliable for me. Even when I try to video chat on Microsoft, it has been very Mm -hmm. unreliable when it comes to connection. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been great. We also here in China have something called WeChat. And WeChat, is, it's almost like giving out my private number to someone, to be honest. So I was Mm -hmm. super hesitant to do that because we, you know, we need our boundaries and it's Mm -hmm. helpful for the students and for us. But as time went on, um, we, I, I couldn't get in contact with some students unless I used it. And in order to make sure that they were okay and to make sure that they were safe mm-hmm. and to make sure that I could keep communication with them, I mm-hmm. had to add them on WeChat. Knowing it's it's kind of
1: like a tier two or tier three intervention at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I can delete them all later. Uh, but mm-hmm. at this point in time, I've got multiple students that I can message at any time during the school day. I, I keep my communication to the school day and in parents as well there's a bunch of group chats so one of the things that i would do is i would send we have a group chat for each grade level because we're a pretty small school so i would send out information to students depending on their grade level Um, i would do little you know are you feeling stressed you know try these tips and using um canva i don't know if you've heard of that but it's a great way to instead of sending a long message, I can put it into something that looks nice because our students are reading email after email and assignment after assignment online. And the last thing they want to do is read a paragraph that I send them.
1: Right, exactly, class.
0: So Rachel, it occurs to me
1: that you're out there, you know, you said you're the only counselor that didn't have one before and now they have it. What kind of support system have you had? I mean, this is new, a new country. It's new work at a new school and you're the only person.
0: There is a primary counselor and she's also a school psychologist. So I'm the only counselor in upper school. So she has been Mm -hmm. really great for me. Um, And she's been here in China the whole time that I have during this whole situation, Um, So that's been really nice. And we have worked through the confusion of how to support our students together, as well as obviously all the other stressors. Also in an international community, we are each other's family, which is really neat. And we, you know, my principal and my vice principal organize many different things to help community get together of teachers uh, once we were able to get outside so I'm really thankful for that I've had great teacher friends who are not only colleagues but friends and that's just how we do things here so mm-hmm. I felt very supported because we were all going through it together
1: Exactly.
0: Um, it it is so yeah. difficult but you know we weren't alone in it. And now we're definitely not because the rest of the world is dealing with it, which is unfortunate, but it is a, it kind of helps knowing in some way.
1: Rachel, as you talk about it, it's so difficult. I heard the tone in your voice kind of shift. Can you share a little bit more about the most difficult parts for you personally and professionally?
0: Yeah. So I think personally it was the roller coaster. It was the the changing in the news all the time. It was the, my friends and family from back home in San Diego in the United States reaching out to me all the time because they were seeing the news there um, okay. and trying to tell them that, you know, it is less than ideal and it's stressful and um, just difficult, but I was okay. And so it was hard to balance a lot of different parts of my life um, while also then being a professional and trying mm-hmm. to get my work done. So on the professional side, you know, you just kind of take it one, one day at a time. And my mm-hmm. admin team was here. So we talked a lot as a team about what to do and how to move forward. And so I knew I was supported there and they, we want to do it all. Um, I don't know any counselor that, especially in this situation says like, yeah, well, we'll just wait till we get back to school and just see how the kids are. Um, mm-hmm. We want to do it all. We want to be everything for these kids as do the teachers. Uh, but it's, you you have to compartmentalize and, I have to know that if I've done, if I've reached out on all these different platforms and I've shared with my admin team that I still can't get a hold of this kid, that then I have to let that go and then try again the next day or yeah. go home, take care of myself, and then move forward. There were plenty of breakdowns that happened uh, personally, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of the new News that came out was at night for us. So that's when I'm home alone in my apartment, just Mm. processing by myself. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I'm not always good at reaching out when it's not someone there physically. So I would have to wait till the next day to work it through with my colleagues, which were great at it. But it was just, and I, I know some of this is going on back in the US where, you know, we're only off for two weeks just kidding. Now we're out till May, or maybe not even till the end of the year. Um, and every time you hear that news, it's it's kind of like a punch in the stomach, if I can be honest. Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, you begin to have hope again, and you begin yes. to see the light again, the tunnel, and then and It's like when you're hiking, and you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be around the bend. And then you get around there, and you realize, oh my gosh, there's a whole other hill ahead of me, and you thought you were at the top, and you have to go again. Yes, And Yes. And a school counselor, you're not only supporting the children, but you're also supporting the teachers and families as well. That's, that's right. an awful lot to carry at once. I'm yeah, And I can imagine that it probably isn't the best idea to be leaning on your state uh, support systems because that probably just frightens them more and more. Right. So and they're, yeah. you're really isolated.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I definitely felt it. And it's not that I couldn't talk to people back home, but they just didn't get it. Now they do. Right. But at the time, it took so much energy for me to try to explain it that Mm -hmm. I just didn't even have that in me. So it was just
2: Mm -hmm.
0: processing myself, trying to do the things to take care of myself, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: One of the things, sorry. (laughs) It's so many questions I have for you. And <laughs> I'm thinking about all the things that our counselors are thinking right now. Like there's so many emails going on. Like, what do we do about credits? What do we do about AP? What do we do about graduation? Like, you know, did do, do you have any other high school counselors to connect with and administrators to create policies, practices, procedures for like how to manage all of this
0: outside of the school? Um, I am a member of ISCA, which is International School Counseling Association, and there's um, IACAC, which is the international version of NACAC. But, you know, because everyone is figuring this out with us, and for a while in China, we were just trying to figure out how this might affect our students because they had then a lot more to overcome than the rest of their peers around the world. And we were... I still have to send out this um, email to all of my students' schools where they've been accepted and talk about how we don't, we don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the year. You know, mm-hmm. now IB has canceled exams. When we started writing this letter, they hadn't. So I needed to oh. advocate for my students and say, you know, here's what we've been doing. The students are all over the world. Some of them have unreliable Internet. Some of them haven't been outside for six weeks, um, and so we wrote this letter. Okay. My principal and I to send to the universities, but because things changed so quickly, now that I have it and I finally have all the information to put in with predicted grades and things like that, um, IB has already changed. They've made their decision to cancel scores, so now I have to go back and mm. see how it will impact students. IB today. Um, I guess tomorrow in the U.S. time, we'll be issuing a statement about what that looks like with the canceled exams and how it's going to impact students because I don't think students were supposed to find out that they were canceled yet, but the implications are going to be shared now today. So Mm -hmm. that would be another level of trying to see what we need to do to support, how we need to do our grades, um, things like that
1: in terms of the students uh and the teachers relationships and them staying on track with their courses do you, what have been the learnings there i mean what are what you're a month ahead of us you know two months you know what has worked and what hasn't worked with the students and the teachers in terms of keeping them on track academically or should
0: we even be worried about that right now oh that's a really good question that second part um <laughs> yes and no so keeping them on track has been difficult. Um, and those that are really on track are overly stressed. Um, and so I've had to do a lot of stress management with those students because online for them, they, they're still learning time management. They're still learning all these different strategies that we as adults hopefully have. Um, and when it comes to online learning, it's so hard for them. So some students were, it and doing fine other students were on it and too stressed because every day there's a new list of tasks that need to be done and prioritizing that Mm -hmm. and giving yourself a timeline for how long each one should take and turning it in on time was really difficult for them and then we had a whole nother group of students who weren't logging in at all whether it was because Uh for us we have many different reasons they didn't have internet they didn't bring their computers with them on vacation and they were stuck. They, mm. some of them went to Korea and just enrolled into a Korean school because at the time Korea was, they didn't, they weren't closed down yet. Um, and so we, every week we had an off radar sheet and we still do, I guess. So every week teachers, if they haven't heard from a student or the student hasn't turned in any work or communicated why they haven't turned in work, um, we would reach out to parents and contact them and see what was going on. So Mm -hmm. up till this point, eight weeks in, there are still some students who we've hardly heard from. There are some students who we've gotten to try to come back on track, but they, having missed a month of school, half of this time, they feel so behind that it's basically we have to give them just the ability to say, don't worry about those last those last assignments right. in the last month and just start now. We'll deal with that later. Right. And it's, that's yeah. it's been really hard for teachers to let go of the, well, they didn't turn in this much. How can I give them a grade? And I I get it because I have to now do a grade for my psychology students and I don't really know how, but it's also that's the least of our worries at this point in time. Yeah, the mental
1: health issues that you know are, are coming with this. You know, you have some students I heard you saying that, you know, maybe are really stressed because they're trying to stay on top of it and they're compartmentalizing perhaps, you know, to do all their work, but they're really getting very stressed out now because they see these lists coming in every day. And then you have the kids on the other side of it who are avo- are avoidant at this time because they may be un- unable or or physically or emotionally to manage the challenge of right. all of the emails with assignments coming in all the time. And some might not have the tools and all of that is anxiety producing. Then you have the teachers who are responding to them in different <laughs> ways. Right. And it's almost like you you, you want to ask yourself, you know, where's, Where's the benefit of all this if everybody, you know, it stays physically healthy, but mentally they're falling apart,
0: right? And I think that's when we decided, you know, to give them that freedom to not go back and do all those assignments at this time. And we told teachers we meet with students three times a week due to the IB schedule. It's not like a normal class period. We have six classes in a day every day. So basically, my admin said. If you can, especially for students that aren't in the diploma program, if you can, try only giving new content twice a week and having the other day a week be for catch-up. We know it's not Mm -hmm. ideal, but it's a way to continue moving in some sense, but to also try to catch those and bring them back in without overstressing them out.
1: And trying to figure out creative ways. I mean, imagine you're us. You know, you're ahead of us. What do you wish you would have known two months ago, or would have done two months ago? Like, what advice do you have for people who are just beginning to set up systems for all of this? What what should we avoid, and what should we do more of? That,
0: what do you have to teach us here? I, I think the biggest thing is, and I, this is gonna sound sound a little strange, but um, letting go of what your old normal was as a teacher, as a counselor, educator in general, student, um, because it will not be the same for the rest of this year at best. There's no way you're gonna go back to a normal classroom environment where everyone is okay for the rest of this school year. It's a process, kind of giving up that hope that you know next week we'll be back, just get comfortable. This is your new norm, get comfortable. Because it's going to be for a while, and if you try to keep hoping mm-hmm. that you're going to get out of it, you're not going to be able to put in what you want. Um, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to be fully present It's going to be hard to be fully present anyways, but the best way is to just start kind of that grieving process, I guess if we're gonna if I'm talking mm-hmm. to counselors we're grieving what we knew and it's a hard change. So getting to that acceptance part of the acceptance part of just being okay with this crazy. And I I think that's the biggest piece of advice I could give. If I could go back and find that quicker, even now I I still battle it to be honest, but um, Mm -hmm. I think I would, in a better place to support students and myself and my peers.
1: Well, it's because it's been coming gradually, and then you kept having this glimmer of hope each time, and then it was a right. new step down and a glimmer of hope and a new step down. The glimmer of hope is like, just throw me off the cliff a little bit and let me get used to it. Because right. it's that whole process of going slow that was um and I think, giving you that hope.
0: I think students deal with that too, and I think as counselors mm-hmm. for students is. You know, we have to be flexible. Uh, my vice principal says as well we have to have a rigid commitment to flexibility. Um, <laughs> I thought you would like that. I thought of you when she told me that. I was... <laughs> but it was, it, it sticks quite well. And we're not going to be able to catch every fish, we're not going to be able to do everything perfectly. These kids are struggling. And all they want to know is that we're there, that we care, that we listen. In the U.S., there's a whole different world of, are they going to get food tomorrow? Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a computer, so how am I going to get my work done? Just the most we can do is listen and be, as a school, be compassionate to those students because they're going to come back and be behind. And they were already stressed and struggling for whatever reason. And that's where it's not going to be over, even at the end of the school year, if you get back, because the kids who were behind are farther behind. What does that look like next year? Uh, Who knows? Um, We're talking about, do we have them repeat a grade? We don't, obviously don't want that, but what's in their best interest? And we haven't figured that out yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll let you know if we do, (laughs) but just that flexibility and compassion to the kids.
1: Well, and for some of them, they're really, if you look at, you know, the way we're trained and understanding Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I mean, we're down at the bottom here. Right. And and our basic needs need to be met and the safety needs need to be met, you know, and we have the belonging needs. We all know how that works, you know, and every family is dealing with different needs um, and trying to meet them where they're at right now is a, is a big job for you. And as I think about that, Jobs for you you know they're always saying metaphorically put the mask on your kids before you put it on yourself you know Mm -hmm. or put it on yourself before the kids sorry (laughs) the other way around of course I as a counselor though see how that came out that way because as a counselor Mm -hmm. that is our first inclination isn't it that's probably why it came out like that but the reality of it is if our counselors and teachers and administrators aren't you know taking care of themselves first, how can they be present for others so I want to ask you Rachel, how are you putting the mask on yourself? What's helping you? And I mean that literally, like, the not just this mask we're all wearing, but what are you doing for self-care?
0: Um, I think the best thing that I've done for myself is taken away the expectations for myself. So we're on spring break right now. Um, well, we're wrapping it up, I guess. It's Friday. and. I have given myself permission to do absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. when the weather's nice. A lot of people have been like, we should go out, we should do this. And I'm exhausted. So I've spent two days at home, even though I've been at home for a long time now, just the permission to do what I need to do has been pretty liberating. If I don't want to work out, if I feel like it's more of a, burden than something that I think will make me feel better, I won't do it. If I, if I know that it will make me feel better, I'll, I'll, I'll get it done, you know, but just giving myself that ability to not have a list to not, not, not even put care into a, a must do, but rather, I, I don't know how to explain this correctly. Sometimes I think we see self-care as you can do this, we have a list of all these different things we can do, should do. Um, And I've kind of pulled back from that even. And unless it's something that I want to do, I won't do it. Um, And I'm not sure if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. No, it just, I mean, the
0: fact that you're permissioning yourself to stay
1: in your home and to just enjoy the space rather than working there, because home used to be the place where you came to, to respite. And now it's become your place of work. How have you created a schedule for yourself? Like, I mean, I can imagine people not being able to turn it off and maybe working more hours now than they used to, and not knowing how to
0: to to compartmentalize in their home to still keep it as a place of respite. So, for the working at home part, I because I live on campus, I can go to my office pretty frequently, and I do try to do that. Mm because technically it's part of my home. <laughs> um, but there are days where I don't feel like putting on normal clothes and I want to stay in my pajamas all day and it it is difficult to get work done at home and it's difficult to turn it off. I still wake mm-hmm. up. Um, I wake up every morning at seven 30 during this. Cause obviously I don't need to do the full getting ready and getting to school and things like that. I start doing emails immediately. I'll start messaging, you know, my admin team and there's there's some downtime because it's online and there's a wait time. We don't get to ma- like automatically talk to someone and hear their response. So that part has been hard for me. There's a guilt that I feel when I'm not doing something during the school day. Mm-hmm. But I have to just then say, you know, I've done all this. I'm waiting. You kind of have to talk yourself through the realities, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it works, uh, but there is still that underlying guilt. It is spring break right now. And, you know, I, I have had some conferences with students during spring break. I've told myself that it's because our grade 12s just got some crazy news that DP exams were ending and that they needed to be able to talk about it. Whether or not they could have waited a week, I don't know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Right.
1: But it felt better to you to manage it in the moment because. Yes. Yes. Because of the anxiety they might be feeling and wanting to relieve that for them.
0: Exactly. And that's what it comes down to is, mm-hmm. and getting it done at that time made me feel better than waiting a week. Knowing that I could talk sure. to people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Same as if I got an email at nine o'clock at night, if it made me feel better to just like, Respond because otherwise I would forget or it'd be sitting with me all night. I had to do it Yeah, Um, I tried not to check my email But again, there's WeChat that is being used so that I see all the time And it it just comes down to that flexibility that some of our students, you know, one of my students is in italy and Totally different time zones So that's the other thing is if I need to talk to a student. Sometimes I have to be flexible with my typical hours. In the US, you won't really have to deal with that. So that will be helpful in many ways of, it will be easier to maintain the time boundaries because everyone will be on it. So I Mm -hmm. think you guys have it easier in that sense. And if the school issues a statement saying, these are our work hours, we're gonna stick to it like a normal school day, I think that could be helpful for students and parents. Instead of it feeling like someone's ignoring you, Because we're used to such instant gratification with a message or something like that to just say like, you know, if you message us past 4 p.m., don't expect a response until the next day. Things like that could be helpful for staff or sorry. Well, yeah, for staff, students and parents.
1: The current situation that's happening in the United States. What kind of information are you getting in the media? Do you hear all of it, and do you, you know, how, what's the reaction there about what's happening in the United States among among people you're working with in their community?
0: We get all the information um, through various news sources that we like to look at, and obviously our friends and family. And to be completely honest, we are kind of going through this all over again. Uh, via our friends and family so we're kind of grieving it all over again um, because we're hearing it and they're looking to us to tell them how we did things even though the U.S. is doing it differently you know they don't in the U.S. they don't have the ability to tape someone into their (laughs) apartment and make sure that everyone else is safe whether or not that's a good or bad thing you can all decide but I'm thankful for it here Mm -hmm. because now I can walk around But, Uh um, we are, we're grieving that we're grieving, you know, we're hoping our parents are safe. We are, Uh most of us go home over summer to see our friends and family. And we are also kind of grieving that because we don't think we're going to be able to make it home,
2: um,
0: Uh or make it back without quarantine. So Uh there's just a lot of things that, or, you know, if someone got sick in our families, we wouldn't be able to go to them. So, Mm. it's Mm. stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. At the beginning of this, all for myself, I noticed I wasn't sleeping easily, and then I got used to it. And I'm kind of back in that stage of my mind running, not sleeping. It will get better, um, but it's it's been hard.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Is there one thing that you I don't know, like wish that would it be helpful at this pace, like if you had your magic wand that you could, that's reasonable that you could do or ask for that would be helpful to you in this capacity right now as a school counselor, like a message you could send that maybe you want people to hear?
0: Um, I mean, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd want two things. Gotta get greedy here. <laughs> um, one of them would be to imp- just, show everyone how important it is to stay home and that if everyone does it, things will get better. And it, I think that's the difference of living in a collectivist, like a group society rather than an individual society, is that it wasn't really a question here. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And I, I would love it if everyone back in the U.S., could do what we did minus the the tape and law enforcement, but (laughs) willingly do that, Mm -hmm. that would be my first. And my second would just be to kind of take away some of that stress for people um, and have them move forward in that process to the acceptance phase. And, And I can't do either of those. So, you know, just if any of this helps, that's great and I hope it does, even if it's just setting an idea of what reality is, then I'm happy to help.
1: Well, you already have helped today, uh, Rachel. This has been very enlightening, and I can hear in your voice your passion and your love for your work and your students and what you do, and I get goosebumps when I think about, you know, I know, I know who you are I was your professor, and I know that you have a, a very giving, caring soul, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful to you for taking this time to help us and to help counselors hear this. And if it's not too much of an inconvenience, I would wondering if we might be able to put a up a, a way that we can have uh, Felipe, our producer, create a space where counselors might be able to ask questions, and then maybe we could have another conversation in a, a few weeks, and we could sure. ask questions from our audience that might be helpful to them as well. Would you be sure. open to that?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: That would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you took the time. I'm, I'm so, um, your students are blessed to have you. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for you that you're helping others in this time. And I look forward to, uh, wrapping my head around the hope that you're that the, the new normal that you're talking about, because that for me is also an adjustment, you know, as you say it, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. It's a new normal. Yeah. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time on behalf of all the counselors that are listening to this. I thank you for what you do for students. Uh, you serve every day. Oh, sure. <laughs> wow, Felipe, that was a lot.
2: It was. Uh, I've spent most of the time just listening, taking some notes, but really it's uh it's really giving us some time for reflection about what are some of the what are some of the things that we're dealing with currently in our jobs and what are some things that we can do to really reflect and take care of ourselves and also take care of our students
1: yeah i I had a whole list and idea of questions i wanted to ask and you know i asked about half of them but what became so apparent to me during the conversation is how this is impacting her personally and realizing there's such a, a bigger picture here in terms of um, you know, the role of a school counselor and being a helper to others, but also recognizing at some point, we really have to think about how we're helping ourselves and having that perspective, as she said, about, about that new normal. I, I think we're gonna all need to really take a breath and think about how soon we might have to come to terms with that for ourselves.
2: Yeah, there's been so much there's been so much that's been going on um and all really well uh meaning. Um I can only imagine how many emails, uh goodwilled emails that have been coming to you, Trish, but just uh, a bombardment of resources and um I think it's really important to just uh remember, you know, what we're here to do as counselors, but also to also take care of ourselves um, so um, we can still do it at the end of the year and next year, whatever that ends up looking like.
1: Well, and, and deciding what we can control and what we can't control. And, you know, being in being the helping profession, people are wanting to assist and they're filled with energy and enthusiasm to do that and be problem solvers and be there for others. Um, but as I, I heard her speak, it really it really reminded me to take a step back and remind myself that this isn't going to be over tomorrow or the next day. This is a long haul. It's a new normal and we might need to really rethink how we approach our work and our lives. Um, So to our audience, thank you for listening. Uh, We look forward to your feedback on this podcast and on this one, much more than others. I would ask you, if you have a question or a comment that you'd like to give, can you please email us and Felipe, can you give out our email? For our audience?
2: Yeah, again, for the email, you could email podcast at hatchingresults.com. We are actually really looking forward to do a follow-up conversation. Uh, If there's any reflection that you had or any questions that you have uh, for Rachel, um, we may have a follow-up with her and uh, see where we are in two weeks because um, we may be in a completely different situation two weeks from now. I know for for myself, uh, two weeks ago seems like an eternity. So I can only imagine where we are uh, when we uh, roll around in April.
1: So and if you have something you want to say um, to our listeners, to Rachel and you were to email the podcast, we'll make sure that she gets those uh, emails sent to her. So Mm -hmm. thank you all for listening. Thank you for the good work you do for students
0: every day that you serve. Um, And please take care of yourself.